Adam. Adam. Yes. You're not not wearing your mask. I apologize. Do you have it in your office? I, I, I have a over the microphone. Oh, that that makes sense. It avoids. Yeah, I put the mask over the microphone to, just for safety. Uh, that's a good idea. Well, this is uh, Thursday at, at three, so I guess we're doing this. Um, so, welcome here, small business update. I'm John Fruitkin. My partner Adam Buck is a safe socially acceptable distance away from me. And that means he is in his office and I'm still in Mexico. So here we are. <laughs> you know, it is unclear. It's unclear if I have enough internet throughput to make this happen at all. <laughs> so we, we have, we have a, a, a big show today. And by big, I mean we have two to three pieces of actual legal information, and we have uh, a special guest. We have bank president from Alaris Bank, Rob Schwister, who's going to join us. And most importantly, we want your questions. By the way, now we've hit this big thing where many more people are watching this not live like before. So if you have a question, you have to wait till next week. You could email or let us know. But if you're here... Go to Q&A and you can, you can ask us. But I, I do have uh, some questions from people and I think we need to get you know, right to the meat of it. And so let's start with sports because we always seem to do that. Sports that may or may not be happening. Well, we, we, we are pretty confident that we're not gonna have baseball. So we got that going for us. Spence, well, we did have a draft. We did, we had a draft, which by the way, substitutes for sports at this point. <laughs> so Spencer Torkelson from uh, ASU was the number one pick. Yeah, congratulations. Really cool. He is a first baseman and, um, you know, just, just really an incredible prospect. And the Detroit Tigers, who, of course, earned the first pick by being just a terrible franchise, immediately announced he was a third baseman. So you, you take him number one. And then, boom. To move him to a different position. Move him to a different position. So, we'll That'll good luck to well. Spencer in his new position in a sport that isn't playing. That's not playing right now. Have NASCAR News, too. NASCAR News. NASCAR News is that the Confederate flag will no longer be able to be used on NASCAR cars. And this got a wide range of responses. Bubba Wallace thought this was a great thing. Bubba Wallace, I had no idea, is not related to Rusty Wallace and happens to be one of the best African-American drivers of all time in NASCAR. So I've learned two things today. I also learned that there's a guy who is a part-time NASA truck driver and he will be retiring because he does not think they should revoke the right for NASCAR drivers to put the flag on their car. <laughs> I just thought, I was just like learning these amazing things today. And I thought everybody would really like to know. By the way, best part about this, I've seen the statistics. People begin to skip the podcast right about five minutes into it. And this is more or less where we are. <laughs> this is where it is. 
So let's talk training. about. Yeah, this this is the moment. So we're going to get into something that might be a little bit more important. So right. our 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 kind of headlines today, um, ABCnews.com, ominous sign of the 14 states with rising new coronavirus cases. Arizona has experts especially worried. A pre-pandemic attitude towards social distancing may have led to the rebound. So apparently an ABC news analysis of New York Times data found that there was a big increase in Arizona and it's not just about testing. In other words, we're not just having new tests, which creates this. Um, Arizona has a seven day rolling average that's higher than New York for cases. By the way, it's more than a thousand and Hawaii's uh, average is three. So hmm. we couldn't Go win there. more schools in America, but we're going to get this one right. So, but it does kind of bring up the question, right? Which is about masks. You know, in Arizona, we have a culture of not wearing our masks, a culture that goes back many weeks, all the way back to Memorial Day, which probably has something to do with this. And we were talking a little bit about Asia and how they've been wearing masks for the last 20 years approximately. And for them, it's very comfortable based on, you know, the kind of culture of, of Asia. So I just find that to be kind of fascinating that we're just terrible at it, but other cultures are good. Is this just like something we learn or what? <laughs> I, I think it has to do with our cultures. I mean, in America, we're more of an individualistic culture. Yeah. Um, other countries are more you know, they call them collectivism, where it's more about the group goals. It's more about the group um, protection. It's, it's more about the group. And here, we're more about the individual. So for me, you know, there's always rights and responsibilities when you live in a society. And in America, I think we hyper focus on our rights. And we don't care that much about our responsibilities necessarily because we're so excited about our rights and enforcing them, but you have to have both. You have to have, you know, if you're going to live in a society, you can't just promote your own rights. You've got to also, you know, do what you're responsible, uh, your responsibilities as part of a group. And that's really where this tension is right now. So headline today, astonishing discovery after two COVID infected hairdressers see 140 clients. And so by hairdresser, we mean people who work at Great Clips, Great Clips in Springfield, Missouri. And what happened was that they, that there was two stylists who tested positive. They had 140 clients and seven coworkers at a time that they were showing symptoms in mid-May. 46 of them took tests that came back negative and everybody else has had a 14 day quarantine period and none of them caught the virus. And so the experts are kind of, you know, attributing that to masks. There's a study that says um, from, from Lancet Medical Journal that says the chance of transmission without a face mask is 17.4%, while it is 3.1% when a face mask is worn. So I thought that was kind of a little bit of an interesting tidbit, um, maybe just a cultural point. Speaking of cultural well, points. The other, the other issue I yeah. think, too, is there's been conflicting... Um, reports. So you can find on the internet reports that say cloth masks are useless. And then you've got reports of it. So I think as the public, we're just trying to figure out, in fact, at the beginning of this, they said, don't, you know, masks aren't going to be helpful. And then they say they are going to be helpful. So 
I think there is, you know, our culture, but also there's been a little bit of whiplash with trying to figure out, <laughs> are they helpful? Are they not? And lack of clarity in message, I think. So I did want to note, speaking of cultural things, um, that, that President Trump has announced that he will be here June 23rd and he will have a rally at the Dream City Church expecting thousands of people for students for Trump for his reelection. So I guess in 12 days, we will have a little social experiment right here in Arizona. Maybe a medical experiment. I don't know. Um, <laughs> By the way, it's June 11th, stock market off 1,680 points today. So <laughs> take all this for what it's worth. And um, there you go. Um, I did have a lot of questions last week um, from people about guns. And I kind of felt a little awkward putting it into our show last week, considering mm -hmm. the tensions. But I think now our tension level is a little bit lower we can go ahead and kick in with our little, one of our little tidbits, the reason people tune in to hear about the actual law from, from you, Adam. So I'm gonna let you be the boss. All right. Well, let's get into some slides. Yeah. This is not the, uh, you know, the, the happiest of topics, but I think it's a, uh, something that a lot of people have questions about. You know, self-defense. Um, can I protect myself? Can I protect my property, my business with physical force, with deadly force? Uh, so we're just going to run through a couple slides. And there are statutes in Arizona, and we're going to cite to some of them, just so you know. Okay. So in the statutes, we've got a distinction between physical force and deadly physical force. So physical force, as you might suspect, is... Uh, force used upon or directed toward the body of another person, but does not include deadly physical force. So this would be punching, kicking, uh, pushing, that sort of thing. So there are certain rules about using that type of force. And then the statute talks about deadly physical force, which is obviously um, the force that's used for the purpose of causing death or serious physical injury, you know, using guns, knives, baseball bats, tire irons, these sorts of things that can inflict, uh, you know, death on people. So um, in talking about self-defense, um, there's always this proportionality, you know, test that you, you, you can't, you, you can use the same, you know, uh, response in terms of force as you're getting, and the threat must be immediate. So if if somebody threatens you and then walks away, you can't go track them down and, and punch them or, or shoot them or anything like that. Um, you, you have to meet it with the same level of uh, force. So here's a statute, Arizona ARS 13-405. A person is justified in using deadly physical force against another when a reasonable per person would believe that deadly force is necessary protect himself against the other's use of unlawful deadly physical force. So in layman's terms, that means if someone's trying to kill you, then you can shoot them uh, or you can use that type of force. Um, but, but it's only when it rises to that level. And so that's always the, the question, was it required? The other interesting thing in Arizona, 
you don't have a duty to retreat. So um, if you are in a place where you're legally entitled to be and you're not engaged in unlawful conduct, uh, if somebody attacks you, you don't have to run away or retreat. Uh, you can also use force to protect somebody else. So if somebody else is being attacked um, with physical or deadly force, then you have a right to intervene and inflict force to uh, protect that person as well, the same force as they would be able to use themselves. Then we've got the protection of your premises. Um, this is ARS 13-407. A person is justified using physical or deadly force against another when it's immediately necessary to prevent or terminate the commission or attempted commission of a criminal trespass by the other person in or upon the premises. So again, physical or deadly force depends on the circumstances, um, but you can protect your home or your business uh, if you need to. And then there's a statute about personal property, you know, cars, um, I don't know, any other type of property that can be moved. If somebody's trying to take it, uh, I guess looters would uh, fit in that category. It says a person may use physical force when it's necessary to prevent theft or criminal damage involving tangible movable property under their possession or control. But you can't do it unless your life is threatened. So you can't just you know, start shooting people that are taking things. But if your life is threatened, then that entitles you to use deadly force. So on that happy note, John, I will turn it back to you. And it's a lot of heavy, heavy stuff, but I know everybody's talking about it because in the news, you see all of this going on, homeowners, business owners, everybody's trying to figure out what is going on. So there's some statutes. Uh, be careful. Yeah. We're, we're in Carolyn Commons. We're pretty serious about safety. We're so serious. I went to Mexico for safety. That's right. So I want to talk a little bit about Paycheck Protection Program. I got a whole bunch of questions about it because I made it a little too simple, I think, last week. And that'll be a good intro to our next guest. So the, the PPP, which I know a lot of people are involved in, a lot of people kind of got involved in our little program here because of it, was altered. The big alteration is instead of eight weeks of payroll, they're going to look at 24 weeks of payroll. Now, if you remember, you were eligible for a loan for two and a half months worth, okay? Our client, Victor Kiss, who shows a lot of appreciation to Rob Schwister and Elias Bank for coming up next because they got the PPP loan. Ask, can I get more money? The answer is no, you cannot get more money. It is still a calculation of two and a half times your payroll from, from periods from last year. So this is not about more money, this is about forgiveness. But because it was two and a half months, for most companies, some of the loan was not gonna be forgiven. Now that it is four months of payroll, it will be. So in general, you're going to see a forgiveness of 100%, okay? There are now also a lot more relaxed things about not having the same headcount. It includes people who you terminated or quit, didn't want to come back to work. It also includes the fact that sometimes you can't hire somebody new. Now, this doesn't mean that everybody, maybe some restaurants and others who are slower to reopen will not be eligible for full forgiveness. But I did want to make it clear that the rules had changed 
and those rules are basically going to help our friends in the uh, banking industry. Um, and also, it is going to help uh, our people who took out the loans. So with, with kind of no further ado to that, we have Rob Schwister with us. Rob is, by the way, our first guest we actually have on video for those of you watching on YouTube or live. Yeah. And this is, not, this is not because our other guests from around the world didn't want to be on. It's because I'm a moron and I don't know how to use Zoom. Rob Schwister, president of Blair's yeah. Bank. Also has a lo I have a loan with them, now knows I'm a moron. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I want <laughs> you, you to know I got, my, I got my haircut yesterday for the first time in four months, and I'm wearing a collar shirt today for the first time in about four <laughs> months as well. So all for you. So what's funny is I've, I've been to the bank, and the branch is open at least on some sort of basis, but you uh -huh. have been avoiding, avoiding it and working from home, I assume? Yeah, I haven't been there in a long time. They tell me it's still there. Um, we, on March 16th, made a decision corporate-wide to move as many people home as we could. Um, so we had like 670 employees working from home of our 900 employees within two days. Um, Alaris is a unique company. We, have, uh, we actually had emergency response plans as we're supposed to, but we even had a pandemic response plan in our corporate documents um, because back in the mid nineties, Alaris's corporate headquarters burned to the ground uh, in downtown Grand Forks, North Dakota, uh, when there was a flood in the Red River Valley and the city burned to the ground. So we lost everything in the mid nineties. We lost every loan document, everything you could possibly imagine. So this bank was extremely well prepared for something like this. So we were able to send everybody home and we were up and running business as usual within two days. Uh, our lobbies are closed. You can't get into the lobby still. Uh, we're starting to open up our lobbies in our North Dakota branches. Uh, Minneapolis will start to open up here pretty soon. Uh, but Arizona branch, will, our two branches, one in Mesa, one in Scottsdale, those will remain closed for, uh, for the foreseeable future uh, to protect our clients and protect our employees. So Laris isn't kind of a teeny bank, right? Not a teeny community bank, but certainly a lot smaller, more flexible than the big banks. And so you probably have a different perspective than some on the PPP program. You helped a lot of our clients who just couldn't get helped. Um, talk a little bit about this kind of nightmarish <laughs> event from your perspective and maybe some of the business opportunities as a result of it. Oh, goodness. You know, um, I was watching TV when Mnuchin was standing on the White House lawn and said, EPP program starts tomorrow. You can just go to your bank and get the money. Just walk right in. They got the money. It's there. And we're all sitting there going, what the hell is he talking about? We don't have any rules. We don't have any SOPs. We don't know what we're supposed to be doing. So, yeah, it was it was insane, uh, the the terms and how that all came down um we we are we're a two billion dollar bank so we're a preferred a lender uh, with the sba and we have every all the systems in place and everything we need but it was still 
just utter chaos. Because as you know, John, we didn't have we didn't have an app. We had an application, and then they changed the program, and we had to create a new application for how to calculate things. So kind of like they just did with the forgiveness program, they come out with the eleven-page application, and they say, no, 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 never mind. We're going to change all that. And so then they change. Yeah. So now we're waiting for a new application for the forgiveness program. Same thing happened there. Um, and you know, a big part of the chaos obviously was you know a lot of banks chose not to participate. And then some banks have a different business model. Our business model is relationship driven. You know, you talk to your business advisor, Kevin Fox, uh, quite often. You talk to me quite often. We do that with every business owner that we deal with. You know, we have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with them and they can call us and actually have a conversation and talk to us. The other banks, some of the bigger banks, you know, everything's technology. Um, and for a business owner, you know, it can be very efficient and very cost effective to run your business uh, accounts through something like that. But when you need to talk to somebody, there's nobody on the other end of the line in certain situations. And this was one of those situations where, you know, business owners were panicking. How do I get in on this? Is the money going to rent out? How do I fill out this application? You know, what, you know, what do I need to, if you don't have somebody to talk to, it's, it was almost impossible to maneuver through that. So um, we were able to take care of all of our clients. And then, you know, we made the decision early on that we would take this as an opportunity to help non-clients, um, uh, and do as many as we could possibly do to establish relationships with with other business owners. Uh, and it's we've made a lot of new friends uh, yeah. and we're really excited about it. So we've been really busy, you know, from day one doing that. And now we're working with these clients to figure out forgiveness. But more importantly, we're able to talk to them about all the other things that we do, you know, whether it's retirement, wealth management, mortgage, consumer banking, treasury, all the other products and services that we have to offer. So I've never been busier in my life. I bet. So, you know, one yeah. thing that a lot of the, you know, we, we have some, some number over a hundred, that's a lot less than a thousand that watch this. You know, one mm -hmm. thing that we hear a lot from them is that they're concerned because they have loans that are kind of out of whack right now. And so I'm sure you're dealing a lot with that. Now, highly regulated industry, this isn't up to, to you, um, but like yeah. what's going on? So you've got these loans that are that are technically bad, but it's just pandemic related. What are you allowed to do? You know, that's a great question. We, uh, I'm a director uh, on the board of the Arizona Bankers Association, and we had our annual convention via teleconference today. Uh, and we had the director of the FDIC on the phone with us, talking to us. And one of the guidelines that they laid out early on in this pandemic um, was, you know, the, the regulators have been instructed that uh, if we're looking at loan modifications for borrowers directly because of the COVID-19 crisis, um, the, the regulators are not considering those TDRs, uh, troubled debt restructures. So that takes all the pressure off of us, uh, you know, to be able to work with clients modify loans, knowing this is a temporary problem uh, and knowing that the regulators are going to come in and cause us to, you know, risk rate those loans substandard and set loan loss reserves aside that are, you know, appropriate with the TDR. So it's, they've given us some breathing room and that's quite a relief for us. Um, it, it is, it, I guess the one thing I would advise any business owner is if you do have loans, uh, commercial loans, the worst possible thing you can do is go silent on your banker. 
um, I just highly encourage them to talk to their bankers, explain the situation, especially now, there isn't a banker in the world that isn't dealing with this stuff right now. We're all dealing with it. So you gotta be honest and straightforward when your banker asks for an updated financial statement or they want post COVID income statements from the business or whatever it may be, get them what they're looking for, be upfront, talk to them about it, be honest about what your sales are and what, you know, what your budget is or what your forecast is, work with them if they ask for, you know, updated budgets, uh, whatever it may be, uh, just don't go silent on your banker. That's the worst thing. If you go silent, we're going to assume the worst and you won't like that. So <laughs> also true of landlords, <laughs> also true of landlords, but, but probably not a yeah. huge surprise when you ask for COVID related income statement from a restaurant and it's been closed. Like this isn't like what you're not alone as a business owner. Exactly, exactly. This and, and again, you know, like I said, I mean, the, all the banks are in a situation where we understand. Uh, we just, you know, we just need to be able to verify what the situation is and we need to be able to work with you. And we've never been in a better position to work with clients. There are other options out there. Um, you know, in addition to the EIDL and the PPP program, you know, different states are coming up with different emergency response type lending functions. Uh, um, for example, in North Dakota, you know, North Dakota has its own bank. The state has a state bank. Uh, the state bank has put together their own emergency response lending program for all the businesses in North Dakota. So that's just an example of the type of stuff that we're doing in conjunction with some of our other markets. All right. Well, thanks, Rob, for mm -hmm. giving us a little bit of an uh, insider view, because I know it's real easy for everybody to wonder what bankers do all day and just assume you have pots of money that you throw around. <laughs> so we appreciate the fact it's not quite that easy and giving everybody a little insight is very helpful. Uh, you know, it, it has not been easy, but uh, I, I will tell you, I've got a team of 20 people here in Arizona market and uh, those folks were working, literally working all day and all night to get those PPP loans approved and get it through the E-Tran system. Um, I, that, that system, the SBA system was just horrendous. Um, but I've got, you know, I've got employees that were working, you know, eight, 10, 12 hour days consistently for 45 days straight. So yeah. they did a lot. I mean, we did, I think in the Arizona market, we did over 350 PPP loans. And that doesn't sound like a lot when you compare to some of the other banks, but that's, you know, tens of thousands of jobs. Yeah, um, and we're proud of that. Really proud to be able to help um, all the business owners in our community. So, okay, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm gonna go back. To to I'm gonna go back to talking about NASCAR for a bit. So, thank you for joining. <laughs> out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Okay, so so I cut him off because it was my only time to cut off a bank president. I feel good about it. I also want to talk a little bit about the poll. Right. That's the best. That's the best part of the program. So here was the question. My business received funding from the PPP. 91% of people who are listening did get a loan through their bank. <laughs> I knew who Bubba Wallace was before this podcast. The answer was that 41% did not know, 36% did know, and 23% still don't know. He's, he's the NASCAR guy supports taking the flag off. I don't know why I had to just repeat that. Donald Trump should hold a rally in Arizona. Two to one, they say no. And by the way, I know that our, our listeners are a little bit, you know, more, more to the mean. So that includes some Donald Trump supporters, certainly, who don't think that's the greatest idea. I don't know. I am more likely 
to wear a mask now than a few few weeks ago. More or less, yes, no, kind of like in the same thing. And a vast majority, almost 70% said, I'm about the same. And two thirds of business owners on this say their business is back to normal. Would you say our business is back to normal? It's getting close. It's probably a slightly different, but yeah, I feel like we're getting there. You're going to, to a deposition. It's where we ask yeah. people questions under oath, but we're in the same room. So yeah. Kind of close I'll to I have to take off my mask for that. I have a uh, couple questions. One is there going to be extension of the PPP application date? And the answer is what, yes, Mike. Mike Devine, fine lawyer and great guy. Uh, the answer is yes. There is, in fact, an extension of time. It's in the, uh, it's in the rule, um, but basically you have until next year. It's the short answer. I mean, you have a long time. Um, and Lisa uh, Matuzak asked um, that you have to maintain your full-time headcount for the full 24 weeks. The answer is they actually use December 31st. So by December 31st, we're going to have rules that, uh, that explain that a little bit more fully. Um, hopefully in the next month or two. But just keep in mind, there's not as much to worry about right now and there's not as much to do. The new law also, besides extending out way into the future, the date you have to apply, also has a great advantage in the sense that um, it says you don't need to make payments until after that is approved or not. It also extends the non-forgiven part from two years to five years. So you don't have a lot to worry about. Doesn't mean you can't keep joining us. It just means you don't need to worry as much. So that's kind of the thing of the day. You got anything to add, Adam? No, I saw somebody comment on EIDL Yeah, real quick. I just know the SBA has been overwhelmed. I saw a statistic that said 9% um, have been funded. So... Yeah, more if than zero for your disaster loan. You're not alone. Yep. And we'll talk about whatever you guys want to next week. Drop us an email, jfruitkin at radixlaw.com. Fuck at radixlaw.com. And as always, you could go watch this again and again at youtube.com slash fruitkinlaw. And you could go pretty much anywhere and find us on the podcast. So go to small business update. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week and we'll do our best to find something interesting to talk about then. Thanks.